Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to Episode 9 of This Week in Marvel, the official Marvel podcast of all the news, information, new releases, uh, fan questions, good time happenings throughout the Marvel Universe, brought to you by me, Agent M, Ryan Panagos, Executive Editorial Director for Marvel Digital Media Group and Marvel.com, along with... I am Ben Morse, Associate Editor of Marvel.com, wishing you all a happy holidays as we have returned to a... uh, Semi-desolate Marvel offices. A lot Quite of people desolate. still out. Yeah. We, uh, we made the track. Did you have a good, did you have a good holiday? Yeah, it was good. Um, I played with my Kindle Fire mm-hmm. and uh, watched some movies and read a lot of comic books and reorganized my entire comic book shelves. I watched, I watched Thor with my family. Very good. I enjoyed it. I also, I don't know if I told you, I got the official licensed from Marvel Captain America Snuggie. Ooh. From one of my cousins. Nice. Uh, there is a picture of me in it on Twitter. If you want to check that out, benjmorse.com. And of course, I also, at my. It's not benjmorse.com. It's benjmorse.com. Nope. Just launched. <laughs> Twitter at benjmorse. Yeah. I long drive back yesterday. Yeah, you did. Um, and there you can also see an old picture I found of Agent M as D Man from the Avengers. I rocked it, and yeah. it had a mustache. A great mustache. Yeah, it's pretty good. Legendary. Uh, and speaking of Snuggies, we have a Snuggie in my house. It's a Spider-Man Snuggie. Um, I don't know if it's an official Snuggie. It's one of the, those brands. But uh, it's Spider-Man. It's really soft. It's for my wife, but mostly my one of our cats lays on it. Crazy on it. Yeah, he just he's like, you know what? This is mine. You guys get away. Yeah. It's great. It's pretty comfortable. It's really hard to move around in. Uh, um, love so it. I don't know how much I'll be... Using it. I will definitely probably use it next year for Halloween, if <laughs> nothing else, after the Avengers comes out. All right. But, you know, getting back down to business here at This Week in Marvel, uh, we'll start out with, uh, as we always do, with, with, with print comics on sale. Let's do Sound it. Sound good to you? Yeah, you kick did it you off. Want, did you want to do something different? Nah, nah, okay. we'll, we'll stick with the old faithful that seems we've been to doing work. for a mo- two months now. Seems to work. Yeah. All right, well, up first, we had Alpha Flight number seven, the penultimate issue of this current Alpha Flight series written by Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente with awesome art by Dale Eaglesham, which I want to talk about in a second. Uh, I like on the cover here, if anyone's got their Alpha Flight handy, it asks the question, can Guardian survive against the Wolverine? <laughs> and I kind of said to you, you know, why is he the Wolverine? And I thought about it for a little while. And when he was first introduced, he was the Wolverine. He first showed up back in Incredible Hulk. And when they've showed, like, flashbacks and stuff, there's actually some stuff about how when he was, like, with Alpha Flight, he was called the Wolverine. So it's a nice little, nice little homage. A little callback. This is a, this is a big fight issue. Um... Wolverine shows up basically to investigate what's going on in Canada, which has been Alpha Flight has been vilified as these terrible villains by a former member, Vindicator, and her new friends in the Unity Party. So Wolverine shows up to talk to Vindicator, who's his old flame, Heather Hudson, or old would-be flame. I don't think they ever actually got... Well, you know what? Pretty much any lady much in the Marvel Universe is a potential is a, or former old <laughs> flame. So he goes and talks to her, like, what's going on? That's kind of the opening salvo. And then he's like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to go back to America. But of course he doesn't. He goes and finds Alpha Flight. Yep. And he just wants to talk to them, the Guardian, who has always never gotten along with Wolverine. They fight. Wolverine fights Guardian. Uh, Vindicator shows up with her team, Alpha Strike. Alpha Strike fights Alpha Flight. It's a big fight issue. A lot of cool action. But what I like is how Van Lente and Pac take a chance to work everyone's character stuff into the fight. There's a lot of dialogue 
as they're just going back and forth. Like you, like the rivalry between Wolverine and Guardian, the current estrangement between Guardian and Vindicator, who are married, um, the like ill-fated romance between Sasquatch and Aurora. Uh, Aurora is just insane. It's always <laughs> fun. The brother-sister stuff between Aurora and Northstar, and she says like really like edgy stuff about him and his boyfriend and some other stuff. So you get this big awesome fight, but you also get insight into these characters. It's really it, it, it's it's kind of if you're looking how to write a big fight issue that's not just people punching and hitting each other, but there's actually substance really good to it. And Daily Eagle Champ is just one of my favorite pure old school classic superhero artists just great at drawing colorful superheroes um just draws beautiful women impressive guys scary villains just all, all the hallmarks you want from a good event alpha flight's just a really solid superhero comic uh it's gonna be coming to a close next month so that means a collection will be coming out and you can check that out um if you want to catch up on that but alpha flight's been a lot of fun and this was another really fun issue totally also up this week, Annihilator's Earthfall number four. Well, that was the second last issue of Alpha Flight. This is the last issue of Annihilator's Earthfall. You've got Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning putting their their maybe maybe their final stamp on their their yeah. cosmic epic that's been going on for about seven years. No, it's more than seven years because was I think it was going on before I even started at Marvel. Yeah, Annihilation's been going on for. A, a while. It contributed to that first Annihilation. Yeah, back they when. were involved I mean, they, in that. They, yeah, because they wrote the, the Nova series back then. Yep. So, yeah, they've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, but this 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 kind of brings it all to a close. You have the Annihilators, this giant cosmic team of super-duper, super-duper-duper super-powered uh, heroes and the Avengers coming together to put a stop to the, the Magus, 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 however you want to say it. They got to put a stop to him. He's um, trying to take over the Earth and reignite his control of the Universal Church of Truth, his his just crazy fanatical um, religion that that he's been doing for a while. So they they go through a lot of stuff. One of the Annihilators gets taken over. Uh, looks like really bad times, but Quasar gets to step it up and and really helps put a put a stop to all the bad stuff going on. But the, both teams work together. It's big, crazy action that you expect from this team. Teng Eng Huat does a great job, as always. He's got a very particular style. Yeah. Um, like I love the way he draws faces, the way he draws muscles. Bodies are sort of elongated. They have very almost angular features to them. Uh, I really love the way he draws all that stuff. He's great with tech. He's great with with big energy explosions. And that part of that's with the colors and the, you know, the inking that goes with it. So Andrew Hennessy on inks and Will Quintana on colors. Really great stuff. How they settle it all, I won't tell you, but yeah. you know, the Avengers are still out there. It's, the universe is safe. It's kind of it's kind of neat. Uh, the thing, a lot of thing I've really liked about this Annihilator series is the contrast between how the Avengers handle things yeah. and how the Annihilators handle things and your inclination is to be like, oh, you know, it's the Avengers. They must be right. The Annihilators, they've got Ronin. They've got Gladiator. They've got all these guys who are traditionally bad guys. But so much of what they say makes sense. It's like, you know, they tell the Avengers, they're like, you're responsible for protecting Earth, which is one planet. We have to protect the entire galaxy. We have to make harder decisions than you do. Yeah. You need to listen to us. And it, it's it's been interesting to see them butt heads. And no, neither one is really right or wrong, but it's it's been a cool uh cool ride yeah and quasar there's a great moment between quasar and captain america where quasar says look i'm gonna do what i have to do for the universe but i'm gonna make sure this team 
always makes the choice that it needs to make without hurting anyone. Yeah. And he really, like, Quasar has, has stepped it up a lot. And then the backup story, uh, one of my favorites, it's uh, Groot and Rocket Raccoon, a little finishing up their trip to Mojo World. Um, it's uh, Abnet and Landing with Timothy Green II. Great story, yet again. I love the way Timothy Green draws Rocket Raccoon. He's cute, but he's so ferocious. And uh, Groot is just, he's a giant tree. It's fantastic. There's actually a point in here where Groot's thing is he always says, I am Groot. And the other characters understand what he's saying. It's all about the inflection and the way it's said. But there's one part in this story where he thinks something different. And I was like, whoa, look at that. It was very cool. It was, it was kind of exciting. Yeah, he uses a telepathic message out to some, some trees. It was really great. It was very cool to see Groot say something else. Yeah. It means a lot. It should only do it like once every 10 years or so. Yeah, once every 10 years. So we've got another eight more years to go. Yeah. Great wrap up to the story. I'm sure we'll see more from Groot and Rocket Raccoon or we damn well better somewhere down the line. Also this week, Astonishing X-Men. Number 45, Greg Pak, Mike McCone. There's an alternate reality that this is set in, but it's not just necessarily one alternate reality. There's a lot of little things going in here. Uh, it's a fun book. It's a gorgeous book. Like what you were talking about with Dale Eaglesham. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a lot of what I like about Mike McCone. Yes. He, he has his very particular style, yeah. but it also works extremely well in a broad superhero action comic book style. Uh, the way he, he brings all these elements together. And he also has a great design sense. The yes. way he puts you know new costumes on some of these characters. And uh, he love, draws great mutton chops on Wolverine oh in this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like gold prospector Wolverine or whatever <laughs> it is in this issue. He's got the gold claws. What is it? What are his claws coated with? He's adamantine. Yeah, adamantine, which is... That's actually... that's that's You can tell that's a Greg Pak thing because that's what Hercules' mace is made out of. Ah. Adamantine, so it's stronger than adamantium. Yeah, what's There's up? These awesome gold claws, but he has this like, crazy prospector handlebar mustache and mutton chops. Yeah. I I, this is one of my favorite versions of Wolverine ever. Yeah. He just like cuts through Cyclops' optic blast because his claws are that strong. On that page, it's, it's pretty great. It's like Wolverine slashes up through the optic blast and he says to Cyclops, welcome to the multiverse. And yeah. Cyclops is like, whoa. Yeah. It's, re it's really it's great. great moment. It, it, in some ways, a lot of ways reminded me of Exiles, yep. partly because Mike Bacone, right. art, he kicked off Exiles back in the day. But it, it had this great feel that there's a lot riding on this. There's a, a, a great big story. The multiverse, everything that, that went into it is terrific. And I want more of this. I want more of these characters this universe, this reality. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of really great little surprises throughout this issue that I won't spoil. Oh, but, those uh, last few pages uh, crazy. Yeah. crazy. Crazy, crazy stuff. stuff going yeah, Astonishing X-Men number 45. Pick it up. Avengers the Children's Crusade number 8. Oh, I love this series right? so much. It's so good. It's written by Alan Einberg. It's drawn by Jimmy Chung. It's been coming out for over a year now because it's bi-monthly. Um, this is the second to last issue. Um the last issue, number seven, ended with Scarlet Witch, who's back, a lot of her power going to Doctor Doom, who became Victor. Uh, suddenly he's, he's, he's wearing white, he's a good guy. Um, here he gets to kind of show off his power. Basically this issue is about the Young Avengers and Scarlet Witch get transported back to the situation they were in before, where the Avengers and the X-Men are trying to decide what to do about the Scarlet Witch. And the first part of the issue... It's really cool. It, it's, you know, for, for people who like young heroes, yeah. like myself, this is 
not just the Young Avengers standing around watching things happen. The Young Avengers basically get into a debate with the X-Men and to a lesser extent the Avengers on what should be done with the Scarlet Witch. And they present like really because because Cyclops just wants to lock her up. You know, this is the woman who got rid of mutants. She caused so much trouble. A lot of the Avengers are still mad at her because she killed half of them. Um, the Young Avengers are just like, you know, it's, 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 it's that cool thing where it's like, you know, comics always goes back to you're, you're a kid reading comics and you're like, oh, man, adults don't understand me. Only the, only these young kids, like, that's how I was when I read New Warriors. I was like, <laughs> and they would always get in the Avengers face and they're like, you're not doing things right. Or like X-Force when Cannonball would yell at Professor X. Um, <laughs> but this is the Young Avengers basically saying like, look, Scarlet Witch made a mistake. You have so many, like, murderers and ex-convicts and all these other people on the Avengers, on the X-Men. You have Magneto, you have Emma Frost, you have Hawkeye. That was the wrong order to go in for that. Um, it should have ended with Magneto. But you have all these. Why can't you have Scarlet Witch second chance? Cyclops is kind of like, uh, you know, she was really, really bad. <laughs> and, you know, it's, 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 it's like one half just emotional argument. And then giant Doctor Doom comes in and he's crazy with power. He's like 80 feet tall. And he's just like, he's like, hey, everybody, forget about what you're arguing about. I'm going to take over the world, but it's going to be incredible. I'm going to bring everyone back from the dead. And oh, yeah. everything's going to be amazing. And uh, Wolverine's like, oh, here we go again. Because this always happens whenever anyone gets power. So then, second half of the issue is a big fight between the Avengers, with, it's like the Avengers, the Young Avengers, the X Men, X Factor all against giant good guy, quote-unquote, Dr. Doom. It's just this brutal battle. Some really horrible, harsh stuff happens. There's a huge twist ending. Um, but it's just such a great synthesis, again, like I was talking about with Alpha Flight, how he gets the characters into the battle scenes. This is, like, just, it's smart. It's morality. It's ethics. Uh, but it's also fighting, and Jim Chung's art is so good. Um, it... it- it doesn't come out as often as everybody would like. Right. I know this because I see all the tweets like, when is the next Children's Crusade coming out? When yeah. you tweet to me or you tweet to Marvel. But it is worth the wait 1,000%. Yeah, you see it in Jim Chung's work, why this book takes so long. And again, you know what? Kind of contri- completing the, the trilogy, you know, you're talking about Tanning Huat has this very unique style where you're along these people. And then we're saying, by contrast... Daily Eagle Sham and Mike McCone have their own unique styles, but it's very kind of classic superhero. Jim Chung is another one of those guys who's just like classic. Like when you cl- when you close your eyes and imagine, superhero, this is what superheroes you think they should look like. Yeah. This is like your almost your 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 platonic ideal of what a superhero should be. I took one philosophy class in college, <laughs> um, but man, the ending of this book is so crushing. Um, yeah. there's fun parts, there's action parts. This book really has everything. This, this may have been my, my favorite that came out this week. We've got a ways to go. Yeah. So we got to work through, but this is a front runner, man. Avengers of the Children's Crusade is an excellent, excellent book. And it's like Alan Heiberg writes stuff so rarely. Jim Chung really needs to take his time mentally stuff that when you get their book, it's really, it's a treat. Yeah. It's, it's a delight. That's one of probably four books I would, I would put up there at the top of my list right Absolutely. now. Um, and also just a, a good note that, if you're gonna read AVX, and we know you will, oh yeah, you got to pick up Children's Crusade. It's gonna be Hugely an important. important book, and also it's terrific. Yeah, it's worth it. It's, it stands alone, but yeah, it's gonna have huge impact on AVX. Uh, over in Avengers Solo, issue number three of five. This is kind of more of a this is an interesting, interesting book written by the lead story written by Jen Van Meter, penciled this issue by Al Barrio Nuevo. 
Uh, it stars Hawkeye, and it's a very un-Hawkeye uh, story for Hawkeye. He's basically playing a detective, and he is hooked up with a group of people who were the victim of a conspiracy where they got uh, they got injected with all these chemicals and other stuff. They're basically t- they were thought they were going for medical care, and they somehow got used as guinea pigs for this like superhuman experiment. And the big twist in this issue, you found at the end of the last issue, is they think that Captain America is somehow involved. Uh, so now it's like Hawkeye trying to do detective work and trying to investigate the shadowy conspiracy and Captain America is usually the guy he turns to with stuff like this and he can't and you know he gets the opportunity in this issue but he, he can't and it's a uh, it's, 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 it's a Hawkeye story very much you know exploring Clint Barton trying to do new things trying to use his detective skills because um, he's such a physical character and yeah. he's not usually you know, it puts him in a new situation it's also got great obscure characters like Chance and uh, <laughs> the trapster used in new ways, but it's it's a very cool. Jen Van Meter is a very smart writer, and she uh, really teases out a very clever and different kind of story here. Um, and in the backup, the Avengers Academy backup, our our good buddy Jim McCann, uh, famous dashing Hollywood type. She's quite um, dapper. Quite if dapper. No, nah, I wasn't going to. I did. Yes, you did. I did. Uh, with art by Clayton Henry, it looks real good. It's 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 uh, kind of a homage to Jim's beloved West Coast Avengers, whom he loves. He's an old West Coast Avengers villain. They're fighting Avengers Academy. They're investigating an old plot line from West Coast Avengers. He loves them way more yeah. than any sane person should. It's pretty accept- it's, it's accessible. You don't need to get West sure, Coast no. Avengers to understand and the story. That's but true. If, but if you know how much Jim loves West Coast yes. Avengers, it's like an added layer of fun as he throws in all these Easter eggs and stuff like that. So Avengers Solo, cool yeah. little book. Great book, especially if you're reading Avengers Academy. It's, it's a fun book to get a little bit of a different twisted a little bit extra from uh the academy kids we love avengers academy great book also a great book black panther the most dangerous man alive number 527 david liss and michael avon oming yeah oming was a treat oh uh, yeah oming i was surprised i had seen oming's pages i was visiting uh one of the editorial offices a couple weeks ago so i saw oming's pages and looked great and i just i didn't realize that they were coming up so soon so this book is, is always great because you've got great artists, Sean Martinborough, mm-hmm. Frank Avilia, and now Mike Avon Oming. Um, it's really terrific. One of the things I love about Oming, the way he plays with layout and the panel structure on any given page. There's one page where the characters are coming out of an airport, so he's drawing the road that's outside the airport and uses that to frame the rest of the page in, in a really terrific way. And it's, he, he does that with battle scenes. He does it with... Um, with other pages, it's not a, there's a there's some pages with traditional panel layouts. There are others that just go crazy and really fun. He's so good, mm-hmm. he's really great. And to top it off, he's working off an amazing script from yeah. David Liss, who's putting he's been putting all these different pieces together when he brought um, Black Panther into Hell's Kitchen. So now everything's moving into place, and you, you're reading it, and it's basically Black Panther and Kingpin playing chess with each other just you know overall sort of this chess game for control of the city control of wakanda control of all these different things and kingpin's using the hand he's using um wakandan heads of the bank um he's using his hired assassins black panther moves in with 
the heroes he's using. He's got Falcon. He's got uh, Luke Cage. He's got his own smarts. He's got his operative. Uh, Sophia. Sophia. I believe is the pronunciation. Yeah, that, oh. that, that might be it. Yep. Um, but he's got all these things moving together. They one-up each other. It's a it's a great yeah. book. It's like every other page is a reversal of who is, uh, who's outsmarted the other guy. Yeah. I like I like Black Panther is such a badass at the beginning with the with the Wakandan corrupt Wakandan oh, banker. Man. It's a great sequence. But I know you love the new comedic duo of Lady it. Bullseye and I Typhoid want, Mary. I want uh, at least a, like a two page backup in every comic book with the two of them bantering, killing someone, and then going out for like soda. Yeah, it'd be great. But they're eating ice cream last issue. This yeah. issue they're just kind of hanging out, gossiping. Yeah, it's, it's terrific. It's funny too because Typhoid Mary is like crazy and Lady Bullseye is very like proper and kind of like restrained, but they're oh god, they're so funny together. But you know what? It, 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 it's a great pairing and it, it just it works, it makes sense. They seem like two personalities that would clash, but they get along really well. You get a sense that they have this chemistry, and that that's credit to David Liss, who's who's done a bang up job on this. A whiz bang job. Whiz bang job. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I was just gonna say it. Yeah, I beat you to it, Jim. Sorry, geez, wow. <laughs> Testy this week. We had not one but two issues of Captain America came out this week. It was like a patriotic free-for-all. It's a, it's a, it's a twofer. Even, there's want. sort of three, but... There are three, but the main, the main Captain America yeah. series written by Ed Brubaker um, came out this week. First, he wrapped up his first arc uh, with issue number five, drawn by Steve McNiven with an assist by Giuseppe Camoncoli. It was kind of a neat little... Yeah. Transition midway through the issue, uh, it's it's the final battle between Captain America and Codename Bravo, who's the new villain, if you can call him a villain, that uh, Ed and Steve introduced in this arc. I want to talk about him for a sec because I really like Codename Bravo. It's yeah. Captain America. He's a guy who's tough to. He doesn't have a huge rogues gallery. He has a really solid top couple guys like you got Red Skull, you got Zemo. Um, those are kind of his his two heavies. Then you've got guys like Crossbones, Batroc. Etc. And then, you know, they're more henchmen types. But there aren't too many guys who can go toe-to-toe with Captain America. So it's neat. And, 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 and I feel like not a lot of people try to introduce new villains for Captain America. So it's cool to see uh, Codename Bravo, this new introduction, who is Cap's old wartime buddy, who he kind of had, like, a, a rivalry with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he got left behind in this other dimension when they were having some kooky World War II adventure. Um, and is now... Hooked up with a new uh, a new queen of Hydra, um, and is basically back challenging Captain America. But now their rivalry is not you know a friendly rivalry. It's they do not like each other. And Codename Bravo is pissed. He's pissed he got left behind. But more than that, as he expands in this issue, he's mad because he thinks basically Steve Rogers has let America down. He's let the mantle of Captain America down. He said, "Look, he, he makes specific references here. He's like." I remember the Great Depression. You were around for that because these are two guys who are men out of time. He's like, look at America right now. You are on the verge of another Great Depression. Uh, the government's corrupt. You know, some real world stuff that he just draws in. But he's like, you know, how did you let you let this happen? You're just standing there waving the flag. And of course, you know, all the best villains have kind of a grain of truth to them. Mm-hmm. And Conan Bravo is one of these guys. He used to be a hero. He's a war hero. He's kind of a jerk, um, <laughs> but he's not wrong necessarily. And he really makes Captain America think. And they kind of have their final showdown here, you know, their final physical showdown. But regardless of the final physical results, he really leaves Steve Rogers with some doubts in his patriotism, 
in whether or not he's been doing right by his country. Has he just been letting things happen? Has he been too passive? It's really cool. And that goes directly into the new arc in issue number six, also out this week with art by Alan Davis, one of my all-time favorite artists, um, where basically Codename Bravo is gone, but some of the, the machinations he set up and more so that the new, the new Hydra, who's working with Baron Zemo, has set up. Um, Cap is suddenly starting to have these weird nightmares where he's losing his powers, um, and it's somewhat tied to his loss of confidence. Um, this issue kind of sets up the new arc he, where he um, just doesn't know... He doesn't know... He's, he's kind of at a loss, kind of at a crossroads, so to... Oh, he has this great nightmare where he has to fight Batroc, which is always great, and he loses his powers in the middle, which is... He was... Look, he was going to yeah. lose the fight anyway. He's going to lose the fight anyway. Now it just makes it even worse. Yeah, him, it's powerless Steve Rogers against Batroc. Um, but, you know, then what goes from there is he's just kind of trying to figure out what's going on with, with, you know, are his powers going away? Is something wrong with his mind? Uh, Hawkeye takes him out on patrol. He's basically like, you need to clear your head. They end up fighting the Serpent Squad. Um, they end up taking on a Mad Bomb. Old school, like 1970s Jack Kirby Captain America tech, and all these things are swirling around Captain America's life. It's this huge conspiracy that you know it's not, and that's you know that's what Brubaker specializes in, in creating these huge arcs where there's a lot going on, and there's more than just a guy looking to punch Cap in the nose. You know, there's there's a lot of factors working against him. And Alan Davis, man, I just love Alan Davis. His, his his figure's so beautiful. He yeah. puts so much work into everything. His fights are so graceful. I just, I love everything about it. Alan Davis is one of my, one of my favorite artists. So I'm really, I really, this one-two punch of Captain America came at a great time because I'm really interested in the, the smaller, you know, the 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 issue-by-issue issue continuity, but also this bigger story that Brubaker's telling about, you know, is Steve Rogers doing the best he can as Captain America? And that's, you know, a question that's haunting him. Indeed. Damn it. Said it right. again. You'll get I'm better. Stop. You get there. Uh, for a third dose of Captain America this week, you have Captain America and Bucky number 625 by uh, James Asmus and Ed Brubaker. Brubaker worked with Asmus on the story, but Asmus produced the script. And Francesco Francavilla is the artist on this book. It's a really cool story about this uh, a replacement Captain America and Bucky that showed up after the original Cap and Bucky were presumed dead during World War II, and what happened to these characters, where they went, where they are now, what what's happened with them, and then some some new developments around them. There's robots, there's death, there's a whole bunch of different little plot lines going on in this, and it leads into what's coming up in the future of this book. You've got uh, another cyborg robot, I guess artificial man type thing. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. You described it well. I guess so. Uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a fun book um, and more Captain America. You can't go wrong with that. Also, this week we have Deadpool number yeah. 48. Yeah, get into that. It's actually uh, even more Captain America because Captain America guest stars in this evil this evil Deadpool issue as, as Deadpool is continuing to face off against his evil, not clone, but collection of old body parts this issue starts out where we left off from last issue with our deadpool the real deadpool uh having taken a kid hostage in times square because he thought that was what evil deadpool was planning on doing and his plan was he knew captain america was tracking him so mm-hmm. captain america would come on the scene see that there are two of them and realize he's not the bad guy evil deadpool is yeah. unfortunately 
Evil Deadpool is smarter than Deadpool, so he doesn't take the bait, and he has another plan going on elsewhere. Also, Captain America got ambushed by Evil Deadpool, but basically... Deadpool ends up on the news in the middle of Times Square with this kid he's holding hostage, and he's like, oh, man, this plan has gone horribly awry. <laughs> Captain America's out to get him. Uh, J. Jonah Jameson's out to get him. Uh, the police chief is out to get him. Interpol shows up. They're out to get him because he, he, he actually, like, messed with the Queen of England a couple yeah. of issues ago, if you recall. So things are going terribly for Deadpool. Uh, it's, very, it's a very Daniel Way issue. Uh, Daniel Way wrote the issue. He loves just putting Deadpool in bizarre situations and making things as bad as possible for him. Meanwhile, evil Deadpool has kidnapped the police chief's kids. Uh, he's working with Mr. Negative. He's got some ideas on how it's going on there. I really like how Daniel Way writes Captain America. as almost this kind of like Dudley Do-Right, like one step behind <laughs> Deadpool, oh, yeah. two steps behind evil Deadpool. Uh, it's a great cover of him just looking exasperated. And just trying to catch up with what the heck's going on. Um, and there's, oh man, it's, it's, it's funny. It's a legitimately funny book. Deadpool basically has to get out of the situation he's in. Um, so he teaches this kid who's like eight how to drive so he can get himself home so he can escape the scene. It's drawn by Salva Espin. Uh, he's perfect for this book because he's got this cartoony, violent, kind of like, it's, it's, it's almost like a, like a Ren and Stimpy kind of, uh, you know, this is supposed to be a cartoon, but it's a really dirty cartoon. Yeah. So it works really well for Deadpool. Very interesting. Yeah. Also this week, Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz, number four, by Eric Schenauer and Scotty Young. We've talked about this book a bunch of times on the show. I really love it. Never read any of the, the original L. Frank Baum books. But you, you've got Dorothy, who, if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, uh, it's her character, Several years on, she's been in all kinds of crazy adventures. She's she's now got this little crew that she's with. She's actually with the wizard, um, you know, the great and powerful Oz. But my favorite character in the whole series is Eureka, the talking cat. Is just so sassy and so hungry. Just this hungry little cat that wants to eat these little talking piggies, wants to eat fish, wants to eat anything. Just feed, 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 feed the cat. I like the cat, man. What can I say? I love cats. Yeah. Uh, you've got Eureka the cat. You've got invisible bears and invisible people in this issue, which when you actually see the bear, it's, it's a very Scotty Young, crazy, wild uh, creature, uh, but it's really fun. And then uh, you've got this new character who I, I may or may not show up again called the Bearded Man. He's got this giant, crazy, awesome beard with little ribbons in it. And it's setting up this future thing with like these gargoyle creatures in the next issue. Yeah, it's crazy. You're shaking your head. No, but, you're blowing my mind. Yeah. I just listen to the description because I haven't read that issue. Yeah, so. no. It, I love this, this series. If you have kids, if you um, have someone who wants to get in the comics, pick up any of the, of the Eric Shana or Scotty Young Oz books. Screw all kids. Just read it for yourself. Yeah, totally. I mean, not screw kids. Yeah, no. Like, great. Be nice if to kids. kids. That's awesome. Anyways, speaking of kids, segue, uh, FF, featuring the Future Foundation, centered on the children of the Fantastic Four, uh, is continuing to run parallel to the newly resurrected Fantastic Four series. So, well, the Fantastic Four is dealing with um, the Kree and their invasion of Earth, uh, the Future Foundation with Valeria Richards, Franklin Richards, their grandfather Nathaniel Richards, uh, Alex Power, Dragon Man, yep. all those other guys, as well as alternate. They have an alternate universe. Reed Richards with them. They got Doctor Doom. They have Doctor Doom's Ward Kristoff. They're all trying to get uh, access to the bridge 
which is an interdimensional device that Reed Richards and his other dimensional counterparts built, basically so they can help in the overall effort. Um, we see in a little prologue that Nathaniel Richards and Valeria, uh, Valeria, of course, being the Fantastic Four super smart, like, six-year-old girl. She's awesome. Who's, who's fantastic character. I love how Juan Babuto draws her. She's just got, she's got like, this big head. <laughs> she's, got, she's got this smirk on all the time. We find out in the little prologue that her and her grandfather kind of knew a lot of what was coming, the War of the Four Cities, some of the other stuff going on in Fantastic Four. They knew the Human Torch was coming back. They knew what was going to happen with the Kree, with the Inhumans, and they'd been kind of rolling things into place so they would have everything they need to stave certain things off as long as they possibly could. Um, like I said, that big crew I just described tries to get to the bridge, and they are headed off by, of all creatures, the Celestials, who, <laughs> if anyone, you know, if you're a Marvel fan, you know the Celestials are pretty much the be-all, end-all when it comes to cosmic power in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. They're, they're, the, they're the guys who even Galactus kind of shivers a bit. So, how are they going to get around the Celestials? There's a really cool Franklin Richards moment. Uh, Franklin and Leech. Franklin's just, you know, this precocious kid. Um, Leech is just like his little buddy who says three words. They go up against the Celestials. It's one of those, you know, uneven, <laughs> seemingly uneven matchups you could throw at Marvel, but it goes a completely different way. Doctor Doom. Uh, Hickman writes just vintage Doctor Doom stuff here. Doctor Doom talking about himself in the third person. Uh, kind of showing his heroic side, but also never letting you forget that he's a complete jerk. Um, it's beautiful stuff. Uh, if you're reading Fantastic Four, if, if you you know jumped on Fantastic Four with number 600, or if you were reading FF and kind of moved back over to Fantastic Four, keep picking up FF. It's key parts of the story, but it's also just a really smart, really fun, really intelligent book, and it's well drawn. Wong Babilo's just got some crazy weird art. I love the way he draws kids. The way he draws robots and old men. Yeah. Luckily, this book has all of those things in spades. Kids, robots, and old men. Robotic child men. Yeah, is, is the FF trio. Yeah, uh, it seems like we talk about FF or fa- FF or Fantastic Four almost every episode. I like that there's two books now. It's, it, I love that there's two yeah. books. It's FF is back at you know being one of the premier series that we have, and I, I couldn't be happier. Uh, the final issue of Iron Man 2.0 came out this week, issue number 12, written by Nick Spencer, assist by Will Pfeiffer, uh, art mainly by Carmine D. Gian Domenico, uh, with Ariel Olivetti, Marco Pier Federici, and some other people kicking in. It was, a, it was an artist jam, but it's mainly uh, D. Gian Domenico. Um, it's the concu- conclusion of the year-long story that Iron Man 2.0 has been telling with War Machine against Palmer Adley who, to give the shorthand again, <clears throat> was a sociopathic genius um, who killed himself <clears throat> basically so he could disperse his essence into all these different organs and blood cells so he could live forever but kind of cause chaos and anarchy everywhere he goes. Kind of a jerk move. Very much a jerk move, uh, the ultimate jerk move. Um, and the last few issues, he has gone, literally gone viral, uh, <laughs> transmitting himself across almost the entire world and basically filling people with this rage virus and just it's it's like basically worldwide terrorism because of Palmer Adley and War Machine is up against him you know War Machine who's always been looked at as kind of second rate Iron Man has had to step up last issue we thought Iron Man had kind of stepped in and helped him save the day no not so much Palmer Adley got into Tony Stark so this issue was a lot of War Machine fighting Iron Man uh, which you know brings me back to my youth uh, back when during like Hands of the Mandarin type era 
when War Machine and Iron Man hated each other. They used to fight all the time. They'd have armor battles, but they, they've been friendly for a while now, so I haven't seen this a bit. But this is actually, um, <clears throat> you think of Rhodey War Machine as being the more, you know, the more fighty of the two. He's a, he's a, he's a war veteran and whatnot. But he actually uses his smarts here. He's got to outsmart uh, Tony Stark. No small task. But there's some funny stuff here with uh, Reed Richards and how Tony and Reed Richards are competitive in terms of being intelligent. That's basically War Machine and certain members of the Future Foundation uh, and also Susie Endo having to stop Crazy Iron Man, Palmer Adley. If you've been following the whole series like I have, it's, it's a very satisfying conclusion to this storyline that, you know, Nick Spencer and Will Pfeiffer have taken over a year to craft this thing. Palmer Adley was just this incredibly frustrating villain because there was no way they could get to him. He was just like wasn't there yeah uh and this issue they they do deal with him once and for all so goodbye iron man 2.0 thank you for thank you for all you have given us yes also this week marvel adventure spider-man number 21 great book you get two stories from paul tobin art by rob DeSalvo and matteo loli the first story you've got spider-man with his girlfriend chat they're on a school trip in greece I wish I went on a school trip to Greece when I was like 15, 16. That seems terrific, but they won a contest. They got there. While they're there, Magneto throws down. There's, there's a great argument between uh, Chat, who's a mutant, and Spider-Man about, you know, she's like, you can't go out there. If you go out there to fight Magneto, like, they, they'll start to put things together that yeah. Spider-Man is from Queens, and the, there's this trip for these kids from Queens. Now they're all here Maybe there's a connection. But he does it anyway. He gets out there and he throws he down. I, I I like using Magneto in this role. It was a fun story. It reminded me of classic Magneto. Spidey beats him with science. As he should. Science yep. always wins. Yep. It's yep. a lesson. Lesson you out there in science class. Just yeah. in case Magneto messes up your trip to Greece. Bring science. Pay attention in chemistry. Yeah. And then the second story is uh, you've got Chameleon as the villain, and you've got a super-duper pop star, sort of like uh, a Justin Bieber, if you will. Bieber fever. A Bieber fever Sweet issue. in the nation. Uh, but it's not Bieber. It's The character's name is Kylie Rogue, right. which I thought was totally a girl at first. And they make a joke about looking sort of like a girl with the long hair and everything mm. like that. But uh, you've got these little these kids who are crazed about Kylie Rogue, and yeah. Spidey gets involved with them, and really tries to help these girls, and in doing so, unravels the chameleon's plot. It's a great story. I love this because you can get two done-in-one stories within the span of one comic, and it's three bucks. Marvel Venture Spider-Man is great bang-for-your-buck comics, beautiful art, great for kids, great for people of all age. Also this week, Mighty Thor number nine. Everybody knows, everybody knows Thor died at the end of Fear Itself. Yep. But... In this sort of this afterlife that he's in, he's dealing with bigger problems. Very big problems. Yeah, really big problems because when these gods, gods like himself, die, there's there's more to it, and there's something there that is destroying the gods. That this god eater, Demogorge. Demogorge. Same, thank right? you. But it's 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 an existing character, and it has uh, I believe it is referred to as the god eater in the past. Yeah, totally. It's it's crazy. And it's nasty and scary. Ugly looking. Yeah, very ugly looking. Pasquale Ferry did a great job. Yeah. Pasquale Ferry and Pepe Larraz on this issue, Matt Fraction, writing it. Uh, you've got big action. You've also got the a bunch of other stories going on. You've got Tanneris, who is not who you think he is. And I won't spoil it here if you've not read the book, 
But there's Who do they think he is? Tannerus? Uh, yeah, you may think it's really just Tannerus. You know, New ye, character. Ye old Tannerus. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's more to Tannerus, obviously. And Loki is the only one that knows that there's more oh, to man. this. And he's just being mischievous and yeah. cantankerous young Kid old Loki. god. Kid Loki. Kid Loki. One of our favorite characters Maybe this week in Marvel. Could yeah. be the one. Yeah, could, could be the character of the year for us, 2011. Yeah. But you've got Kid Loki going around. Uh, you've got Tannerus fighting with the Avengers, some big stuff going on, and the beginnings of Tannerus's plan starting to unravel. Things He's not are, alone. He's working with some sure. other people. He's working with some heavy hitters. Totally heavy hitters in the Thor villain realm. Yep. You've also got Silver Surfer, who's been involved in the book, and he's sort of stuck on Earth. He's trying to touch base with humanity. Yeah. There's a great... One, he's wearing pants, which is yep. totally weird to see. It is. He's wearing some, some dungarees, and he's out in the middle of the desert letting buzzards eat him just yeah. because he, you know, he's trying to help the circle of life. Yeah, essentially. Of life, man. Loki's just annoyed with him. Right. There's a great little back and forth. Kid uh, Loki and Silver Surfer are a lot of fun together. Yeah. They're right up there with Typhoid Mary and Lady Bullseye. Yeah, that should be a great road trip buddy movie. Yeah. Just putting that out there yep. for Matt Fraction and others. But you've got the beginnings of Thor setting things right. Again, in this issue, which is good. I want to see a big throwdown between Tanneris and yep. some more Asgardians, and well, we will. Seems, yeah, next issue. Next issue. Throwdown with a particular Asgardian. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. should be cool. Secret Avengers number 20. Let's, let's explore how this issue starts. The first panel of the issue is Steve Rogers getting shot in the chest and killed. Uh, done. This Close is, the book. This is, it's over. This is, this is a one, another done in one. I've loved this run of Secret Avengers. It's so good. Where Warren Ellis is doing done in one issues with different artists. This one's with Alex Malev. It's focused on Black Widow. But as I said, the issue starts with Steve Rogers getting killed on a mission against the, uh, the Secret Empire. And War Machine, who's also on the mission, gets killed. Sharon Carter gets killed. And so now Black Widow is the only Secret Avenger still alive. And before War Machine died, he gave her this this emergency protocol that he got from somebody. Um, she doesn't know what it is, and it's a time machine. And the rest of the issue, I'm not going to try to summarize it, because that would be <laughs> insane. But the rest of the issue is Black Widow has to go back in time to multiple different eras and basically affect the time stream without changing anything. She gets a briefing from Beast. It's the first thing she does, and she goes and talks to Beast about uh, time travel. And she'd said that Beast has talked to her about time travel before and she never paid attention and now she has to go and listen to him. She's already pissed off about that. Warren Ellis writes a great Black Widow. She's, oh, just, yeah. she's just annoyed. But she basically has to weave her way through like three or four different eras over the course of the book where she is recreating the situation that killed everybody but trying to affect it so that it's no longer going to kill everybody and I can't really say anymore because it's really clever how she ends up solving her way out of this yeah. because she knows she can travel backwards in time. She can go anywhere in time, but she can't change anything. So she has to use all her skills as a spy, all her espionage skills, all this other stuff to basically be like, all right, how do I change the past without making it seem like I changed the past? It's almost like the ultimate spy mission. It's how do I change everything without anybody noticing what I did? And she lives like almost like a, it seems like she lives a lifetime yeah. uh, in the course of the, this, this this book. And she, you know, we get new characters. She meets new people. Stuff happens. 
You get attached to these characters. Uh, it's really it's rough. beautiful. Alex Mouly's art is rough and gorgeous, and he draws a great Black Widow. And uh, it's such a it's such a smart issue. This is another issue I really loved, and I, I man, I love. It's there's only one more Warren Ellis issue of Secret Avengers, and I'm super excited for Rick Remender and Gabriel Hardman to take over. But I would love to see Warren Ellis do some more of these these one shots down the line somewhere. Yeah, agreed. That's definitely one of our possible picks for the week. Yeah, that could be in. Yeah. Also, another possible pick for the week for me: Ultimate Comics Ultimates number five. I was talking about Jonathan Hickman with some friends mm-hmm. and his his ultimate stuff that he's doing. He's sort of pushing this world in certain directions. Really love what he's got going on. There's lots of crazy stuff that happened in the Ultimate Comics Hawkeye and the first arc of Ultimate Comics Ultimates. A lot of Ultimates lot of going ultimates. on. Yeah, it's a lot of Ultimates going on. But this issue settles back, looks over everything that's gone on, and then says, okay, here's where we are. Boom, here we're going forward. You've got Spider-Woman involved in it, and which is, if you're reading Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, it's a good way to get a look into how their two, the two of those books are connected. You've got Hawkeye getting involved after his series, where he fits into everything. You've got Thor, where he fits into everything. Nick Fury putting the pieces into place of where they need to go, how they defend against crazy, evil Reed Richards and uh, his plans for... I can only imagine world domination. You've got the... <laughs> that does seem to be the... That, that's what they usually go after. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, right. If I, if I were a crazy supervillain, I'd probably want world domination. Yeah. You've got the introduction of Ultimate Falcon. Is it his introduction? No, he's been around before. He hasn't been around in a while. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's his reintroduction, yeah. I would say, because he's been gone a few years. It's totally great, though. I love how they, how they use this technology and, mm-hmm. and some of the stuff putting him into play and your the reintroduction and hopefully return of Captain America in this series. Yes. On top of all that, you've got absolutely gorgeous art by Isad Rabik and Brandon Peterson, Dean White, Jose Villarubia, Jim Charla Charlapidis. I guess I'm it's terrible. Close. It's kinda yeah. close. Yeah. What Sorry, are the odds Jim. he's listening to this? Great. Five to one. Very good odds. Three to one. We just butchered his name. Yeah. But Another great issue of the Ultimates. I really, I hope you guys have picked up the first four because that'll really get you primed for what's going forward. These five, these five issues. Elsewhere in the Ultimate Comics universe, Ultimate Comics X Men number five. Hesitate to call it a calm before the storm issue. It's kind of we're in the midst of the storm, but we're taking a little break before the bigger storm next issue. Basically, over the course of the first four issues, uh, William Stryker has stormed into New York and. Really, uh, he's, he's, he's using the country's new phobia of mutants. Um, mutants are more hated than ever in the Ultimate Comics universe because humanity discovered that they created mutants by accident. They're not some sort of offshoot race. There's a lot of prejudice going on. He's going to set up shop. He's, he's this anti-mutant bigot. He's set up shop in the middle of New York City. Uh, he's executing mutants. He's taking away their powers. Um, there are no X-Men. There is this underground group that Kitty Pride has gathered together. Um, but they were not intended to be X-Men. They were just intended to survive. It's her, Human Torch, Iceman, and now Rogue and uh, Jimmy Hudson. Everyone but Kitty Pryde basically says, ah, screw this, we gotta go and take out Stryker. But what they don't know is Rogue is actually working with Stryker. We see how that unfolded in this issue. Meanwhile, Val Cooper and Quicksilver back at the, uh, I don't know if they're the White House or the Pentagon, mm-hmm. You know, wherever they are in Washington, D.C., sure. they're, they're learning more about Stryker. So this is an issue where we learn a lot about Stryker, a lot about Rogue, a lot about what's going on. 
there's some crazy stuff going on when Kitty Pride finally decides to join the fight. You're not really sure how this is all going to shake down. Uh, I really like the banter between Iceman and Human Torch, which has always been a highlight of Ultimate Comics for me. Jimmy Hudson gets some cool moments in. A lot of setup, but interesting to see where uh, writer Nick Spencer and artist Paco Medina are going to kind of wrap this initial arc, but they've really redefined uh, X-Men in the Ultimate Comics user, and we'll see if we have a new group of X-Men coming out of this. Unfortunate to report, there was no Ultimate Maggot in this issue. No! You go to this issue is this Maggot. It's a very cool cover by uh, Carrie Andrews, though. Yeah, he's uh, done cool amazing work cover work for all the Ultimates books yeah. in the, in, since the we started over again. Uncanny X-Men, number three, Kieran Gillen and a plethora of really talented artists, Rodney Buchemi, Paco Diaz, Carlos Pacheco, uh, great inks, great colors. You've got the end of the first arc. Sinister has come back with a vengeance. Oh. He's what? No, I, lo- I, lo- I love Karen Gill and Sinister. We talked about it last He's time. amazing. This, 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 the rebirth of Sinister has it's, been a wonderful thing. It's great. I mean, I look, I'll be honest. I miss the thigh-high boots and the weird cape that couldn't possibly exist. Mm-hmm. But this Sinister... These Sinisters, I should say. Right. In this issue, Sinister, he gets beaten. He puts himself back together. He's better, he's stronger, he's smarter. And that's that's his MO. It's like, you're going to beat me? I'm going to figure out how you beat me. You're not going to beat me that way again. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get, you know, scarier. I'm going to get more polite. I'm going to get, you know, more dangerous. It's, it's terrific. In this issue, you've got badass moments from Hope. You've got badass moments from Danger. Kieran Gillen's uh, Emma... Namor relationship is just terrific. There's one, sh- there's one, uh, one scene where Emma's about to, she needs to to take on Sinister one on one. She realizes how to do it, so she says to Namor, "Namor, hold my arm." And <laughs> Namor just goes, "At last," because he, <laughs> he 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 loves Emma Frost and wants her to love know, him. I don't know if he loves her. He lusts he after her. Yeah, Namor. He, Namor's, Namor's, Namor's got manly man. feelings for... Uh, he's got adult feelings he adult for feelings Emma Frost. Frost. <laughs> but she's like, not affectionately, you buffoon. Kieran... Look, we talk about Kieran every week. It yeah. seems like he, uh. he writes a great everything. But he's... You know, he gives a lot of these characters... He gives all the characters great moments. Really hits upon what makes them special right now. Uh, you've got a real, another great moment with Namor towards the end. I really like... He's got this, this pompous, I'm better than you regal atmosphere to him um, and Cyclops being the leader of all this stepping up taking control and above all that you've got the Celestials we talked more about Celestials more, it's, it's Celestial Mania 2011 right. running wild yep what you gonna do what you gonna do you've got all them it ties back into everything we've been talking about with this book with the this Dreaming Celestial and uh, it's a really cool moment for mutants and it really typifies the, the state of mutants right now in the Marvel Universe, humanity is terrified of them. Yeah. Like, what they can do, and the X-Men have yeah. to have to continue to prove to be better, have to help people. But Cyclops is okay with them being yeah, he's, terrified. You know what? He's like, interesting. stay out of our way. Yeah. I, I would say if you're if you're going to read AVX, you should also check out, you know, yeah. all the Regenesis titles, because they're important, but yeah. Uncanny X-Men in particular has some cool moments. The Celestias are so cool looking. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're so weird. I mean, they're, I, Jack Kirby created them, because they're Eternals. Yeah. I already co-created them. I just love how every Celestial looks completely different, but they all look like these like messed up like board game pieces. <laughs> like, they look like chess pieces that shouldn't exist. They've got these strange looking heads, and no two of them look alike. They're yeah. all 
primary colors. I don't know. I, I, I like the way Celestials look. They're, they're great. They all, have, myself. They, they all have great names, too, although yeah, I yeah. can't remember them. All the it's, time like, it's like Erishem. Yeah. That's the only one I can remember yeah. all the time I had. But yeah, and they all have like functions. So it's like it's like Arishem, the destroyer, yeah. this guy, the dreamer, yeah. and you know, Pizza uh, the Eater. Yeah, look yeah, Pizza the Eater. It's not it's That's my favorite celestial. Yeah, the number one celestial. Yeah. We gotta we gotta look more into the celestial. We will. We'll come back to you with more celestial action. Yeah. Vengeance number six, final issue of this limited series yes. by Joe Casey, Nick Dragota. You um, need you need an advanced degree in Joe Casey. To uh, to fully enjoy everything that's going on here, but anyone can jump in and get the and get the gist. I think part of it is Nick Dragota packs so every good. page with panels with details. I'm looking at one page right now that has one, one, two, three, four, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen panels yeah. in a completely unorthodox grid yeah. on the page and makes it work. He's showing off all these characters. There's there's so much. Wild stuff, and in the book you've got all these new characters who've shown up, mm-hmm. mixed in with all these these classic heroes, classic villains. You've got. I'm saying it's all it's 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 a Joe Casey favorite lineup, though. Is why I say you need to disagree yeah. in Joe Casey because Joe Casey, one of the things I find, it's, it's, it's kind of like Peter David in that sense, where you knew if Peter David took over a book, Rick Jones would eventually show up because <laughs> Rick Jones would be in every book that Peter David wrote. But with Joe Casey... Has Rick Jones been an X-Factor? No, strange. He was in the original, though. Ah. He showed up in the original X-Factor. He didn't show up in the more recent X-Factor. I, th- I think Peter David's curbed it in recent years, but it used to be back in the 90s, if, if Peter David wrote something, you knew you would see Rick Jones at some point. Yeah. Um, and he had a couple other characters like that. But with Joe Casey, it's like... He's using, um, you know, throughout this series, he uses his Last Defenders characters... He used characters from his Uncanny X-Men run way back in the day. He used characters from his old Deathlock series. Like this old S.H.I.E.L.D. agent is a guy from Joe Casey's Deathlock series from the 90s. I didn't know that. I know. That's what I'm saying. And then the thing, yeah, that's what I was learning. I was like, you know, there's one Joe Casey character who seems kind of conspicuous by his absence. I won't ruin it, but... He shows up at the end finally, yeah. and I was like, and I was, I was actually, wondering where the hell he was. I was both wondering, and I was super psyched yeah. for for that character like to that appear because I, I thought that that was a great series. Uh, yeah, Ultimate Nullifier, cool he's a cool character. character. He's a great yeah, character. He's, you know, he takes people's powers away for a limited amount of time. Yeah, it works. Um, I think I'm gonna reread this series again once it's in trade. I think, I think that's a good call. Yeah, I think you need to really read this start to finish. But I like what Joe Casey's given us. I like this new teen brigade, whose whole deal is you know they're they're these young people who work behind the scenes of the Marvel universe to keep things from falling apart, and they don't want any credit, and they want people to leave it alone. And I see you're reading that letter from Tom Brennan on the last page. I hate Tom Brennan. I we all do. Um, as I described him over Christmas to to my family, I called Tom Brennan the Charlie Brown of the Marvel Aww. office. He is though. Think about it. No, everyone's always pulling the football away. I from don't him. hate Tom Brennan. No one though. does, but you're in, you you when you hear the name, it inspires you to say stuff like that. <laughs> you can't help it. But Tom explains in the back how his gorgeous painted covers by Gabriel Delotto um, of all the different Marvel classic Marvel villains, basically, and he's told me this story in the past. He basically got handed these covers. And they were like, make a series out of this. And he went to Joe Casey and Nick DeGroote and he was like, look, we've got these six covers of villains, mostly who aren't villains anymore. They're not, or they're dead, or they're this. And Joe Casey came up with this crazy plot that tangentially involved all of these villains, but also something completely different. It's, it's a really neat kind of origin to yeah. how the hell this series came together. Because it's, it's such a strange series, but 
where it came from is so interesting. And, I, you know, I was looking at the images at the end. I was trying to remember how everyone fit into the book mm-hmm. because the it was six issues, but it felt so big, so expansive in a, in, in yes. a good way. It's so every issue was just so packed with so yeah. much stuff. Uh, yeah, fun story. They all did fit in though at some point. Yeah, they all showed up at some point. Like, like even Bullseye, I think, it was just his corpse it was in a couple panels, <laughs> but he was there. He did. Bullseye it. was there. Good job, Bulls. Wrapping things up. This is kind of a nice bookend. At the beginning, we talked about Annihilators was uh, the final Abnett and Lanning cosmic chapter for a while. X Men Legacy is Mike Carey's final X-Men issue for the time being after a good five or six year run and he he tells he tells a uh, it's, it's basically the final schism story in a way because it's Rogue some of the other characters making their choice where to go but he also tells one final adventure of this cast that he's amassed over the past few years um, you know he's always been centered on Rogue but there have been other characters orbiting around her it's like drawn by Koi Fam, but he kind of calls back to a lot of the stories he's done on Legacy. Uh, the main story is they're trying to save Ariel, who's a character who uh, was thought dead during Second Coming, but they find a way to save her. But in the process, he also touches on you know the cosmic stories he told um, with the Shi'ar pirates, with Corvus, who gets knocked out by Warpath, which is What's awesome. Now? Fantastic, because Corvus is a weird-haired jerk, um, and Warpath is awesome. But uh, other stuff, too, like there was a story where Hellion tried to kill Hope and Rogue was the one who, in the process, like really screwed up Omega Sentinel. And it was from a couple of years back, but like Rogue needs 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 a help in saving Ariel. So she goes to uh, Hellion and talks to him about that, talks more about Rogue's relationship with Magneto, which has been building this whole time. Fantastic Doctor Nemesis stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, once all is said and done and they do end up getting Ariel back from this other dimension she was in. Rogue has to make a choice on what she's going to do. In the process, she goes and has a conversation with Cyclops. And basically, Mike Carey's whole run on X-Men started with Cyclops giving Rogue her own team. Uh, you remember that crazy Chris Pachalo-drawn team that had, like, Sabretooth and Mystique yeah. and Iceman and Cannibal and all of them? And then over the course of uh, Messiah Complex, Second Coming, all this other stuff, kind of a rift grew between Rogue and Cyclops. Where he was like, look, I trusted you. And he later assigned her to deal with kids. He didn't like how she handled Hope. So there's this great just kind of concluding conversation where Rogue just says, like, look, you know, things have been rough between us. And I'm leaving because we know she ends up on Team Wolverine. Not because you pissed me off. Um, I'm leaving because you, you have things well in hand here. But the, the lessons you taught me about, you know, helping kids and stuff like that. I didn't even do that on Wolverine's team. Um, and Scott kind of tells her, he's like, you know, uh, it, it's just a really nice moment between these two characters. Scott kind of telling her, you know, I always believed in you. I got mad at you because I expected a lot out of you. And it, it's a nice chance for Mike Carey to really say goodbye. And then he has one final moment uh, where he basically drops Rogue off at what used to be Xavier's school. And it's, it's kind of a neat final panel because it's just Rogue going back to where she was when Mike Carey dropped her off. And we thank Mike Carey for six years of great X-Men stories. And the next issue we got, Christos Gage coming in to start a new era of X-Men legacy with Gambit front and center. <sighs> Christos, I still like you even though you... And, and you too, Carey. Carey. Mike Carey <laughs> with your Gambit love. Yeah. Before we get to trades, 
What's our twim of the week? I think I'm leaning towards Secret Avengers. Secret Avengers, huh? It's neck and neck for me. I, I like Secret Avengers. I like Children's Crusade. Yeah, Children's Crusade would be up there as well. Ultimates was good. I, I'm with you. I think Secret Avengers was so different. I mean, they're all good books, but Secret Avengers was so unique and so clever. Yeah, yeah. I think Secret Avengers, uh, Secret Avengers number 20, is it? 20. Secret Avengers number 20, twim of the week. Twim of the week. This Boom. week in Marvel of the week. Smack it up, flip it, rub it down. Yeah. All right, hit us up with the collections on sale. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's what we got coming out uh, collections this week. Thanks again to our friend Max Beckman, who provides us with this list every week. Uh, we have Essential Spider-Man, Volume 7, covering Amazing Spider-Man, issues number 138 through 160, as well as Annual number 10 and Giant Size Spider-Man number 4 and 5. Got some great old John Romita art. Uh, it's got the origin of the jackal, the grizzly, the fly, Moses Magnum. Moses Magnum. Moses, what more could you want? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Generation Hope Schism covers the schism issues of Generation Hope, which are great. Um, really focuses on Edie and kind of the struggle she went through. It also has the issue where Primal was on trial. Some of my favorite Generation Hope issues. So uh, written by Karen Gillan, art by Sal Bassman, and a couple other people. Hulk by John Byrne and Ron Garney, collecting... Uh, their run at the end of the 90s. Kazar, The Burning Season, which is the recent limited series by Paul Jenkins and Pascal Elixir. It's such incredible art on that. We've got Marvel Masterworks, Golden Age Marvel Comics, Volume 1. This is, a, I believe, a re-release. I think we've shown this before, but it's, it's got Marvel Comics number 1 as well as Marvel Mystery Comics number 2 and 4. Some classic original Human Torch stories, Submariner stories. There's also Golden Age Kazar stuff. Mystery Men came out in premiere hardcover. Loved Mystery Man. It's a good book. As we were talking about earlier, uh, Black Panther, Most Dangerous Man Alive, written by David List. This is another series by David List with Beautiful Art by Patrick Zercher. It's uh, set in the 1930s of the Marvel Universe, and it's kind of a mystery pulp story with all new characters. Very neat. Secret Avengers, Volume 2, Eyes of the Dragon, which has the Secret Avengers teaming up with Shang-Chi and Prince of Orphans to go up against Shang-Chi's father. Um, and basically they have to fight some mystical uh, and martial arts elements. I also have some flashbacks to Steve Rogers' World War II days. Uh, the complete X-Men Age of X story, uh, that whole thing that went through X-Men Legacy and New Mutants was a great alternate reality story by Mike Carey. Some awesome art. It's a little, a little bit like the Age of Apocalypse where he yeah. took you know a single moment and kind of changed the X-Men. It was very cool. And For Age of on. X, if you've not read it or if you're not a normal X-Men reader, it's a great book to just get a sort of sure. self-contained story. Yep. You don't have to know where the X-Men are, who they're doing, yeah. Schism Regenesis. It's just co really cool X-Men alternate reality story. Um, great art, great designs, great writing, fun stuff. Speaking of Schism, X-Men Schism is out in hardcover. Uh, it's got all five issues of X-Men Schism telling the story of Cyclops and Wolverines falling out with amazing art uh, by guys like Alan Davis, Adam Kubert, Daniel Acuna across the board, and also the X-Men Regenesis one-shot by Kieran Gillen. Um, Jason Aaron wrote X-Men Schism. Kieran Gillen wrote X-Men Regenesis, which kind of... Sets up where the X-Men are now. The X-Men are in a very good place right now. If you want to see how they got there, check out the X-Men Schism hardcover. Also, before we get to digital stuff this week, let you know that the Marvel 2012 calendar should be in stores this week. Go to your local comic shop. Some retailers may have very limited quantities. It's a free 2012 yep. calendar. We got ours last week. Um, I have three. You have three? Yeah, i got to keep track of everything. You're hoarding out. them from the rest people, of the world. People keep giving them to me. 
not my fault. Do they not need to know where I don't when know everything what? happens? Give me their calendars. I'm not going to say no. It's a gorgeous calendar. Cool. Well, there's, there's some great little bits in the calendar. Like Mother's Day has Sue Storm on it. Memorial Day has Captain America. Uh, Father's Day has Reed Richards. Captain America is also up there for Flag Day. You've got uh, J. Jonah Jameson for Election Day. It's, it's a cool calendar. We, uh, some awesome art. You walk around Marvel headquarters and everybody pretty much has one by their desk. Yeah. Hopefully you get to have one. Digital stuff on sale this week. Day and date digital comics. We have Astonishing X-Men number 45, Captain America number 5, Captain America number 6, Captain America and Bucky number 625, Deadpool number 48, Dorothy and the Wizard in Oz number 4, FF number 13, The Mighty Thor number 9, Ultimate Comics Ultimates number 5, Ultimate Comics X-Men number 5, Uncanny X-Men number 3, and X-Men Legacy number 260. They're all available same day on the app or in print. Get them wherever you want to get your comics, but you can get them all there. We don't have information on the uh, collections released on the app this week, but Ben, why don't you tell us about the other comics yes, released on the Some app. of the other books you can check out on the app this week are Cable, number 21 through 24, the most recent series. Deadpool and Cable, number 25, which is a neat little kind of humor one-shot that came out last year. Um, the most recent volume of Ghost Rider before the current one, which was the Jason Aaron volume, uh, number 26 through 32. We have all 12 issues of Heroes Reborn Iron Man from back in the day. We have Mighty Avengers, number 32 through 36. We have Ultimate Spider-Man, number 112 through 117, Brian Bendis and Mark Bagley. And then also all the comics Ryan mentioned, Day and Date Digital. As we talk about every week, you also can get your comics fix digitally through the Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Uh, on the subscription service, every day we release five comics. So for this week, we have Amazing Spider-Man Extra number three, Deadpool Core number six, nine, ten, and eleven, Heroes for Hire four through seven. I believe that's the most recent that is, series. That is the most recent Dan Abner and Andy Lanning series. Yep. Ozma of Oz number three. Wolverine and Jubilee, number four. X-Men, number eight through 11. That, I believe, is... It's the current series. Current series. Uh, Thor, 462, 463, 464, and 466. I assume we have 465 already, so we're just filling in the gap. And then Incredible Hulks, number 625, as well as Punisher, In the Blood, two through five. Those are all available this week on Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. Now, some of those will be available... By the time we get this up, they'll probably be available the next day. Yep. So if you run to our site and don't see all these up, do not call us liars. Uh, just, call Ben just, a liar. Just be patient. I was taking, call Ben a liar. I was taking the bullet for you there. Yeah, call Ben a my liar. My friend. Why don't you tell us about uh, games, movies, and toys in stores this week? All right. Uh, games available this week. You can get Thor, the Thor table for Zen Pinball on iOS and Android. That's available now. If Strami were here, he would incorrectly say something about virtue and vice oh stromy leave them alone toys available this week i got an email from our friends at diamond select toys let us know that marvel versus capcom 3 mini mates wave one a specialty assortment including iron man versus arthur deadpool versus dante dormammu versus trish that's a specialty exclusive and phoenix versus morrigan that's available this week the Marvel Mini Mates Age of X box set, which includes Magneto, Gambit, Rogue slash Legacy, because she's the same character, mm -hmm. and Cyclops slash Basilisk, he's the same character, that's available this week. So you can get your Age of X trade and your Age of X Mini Mates box set all 
and one. It truly is the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, it's the age of X. Yep. Marvel Select Red Hulk action figures uh, back again, so that's available again. Check your local comic shop for that one. Also, Marvel Select Thanos action figure should be back. They just re-released that one. That's a that's a favorite of mine. Thanos, mm. the Thanos figure on that uh, on the Marvel Select is really great. Check your local comic shop. If you can't find a shop that has it, let us know. We'll help you try and track down these awesome toys. Let's now kick it over to Mark Strom from the West Coast, delivering a special message about uh, X Men anime. Take it away, Stromy. Hello there, This Week in Marvel listeners. This is Mark Strom, a.k.a. Stromy, uh, Marvel.com assistant editor, coming to you from Los Angeles, California, to talk about This Week in Marvel Animation. And we've got the penultimate episode of the X-Men anime series, Friday at 11 p.m. Eastern Time on G4. Uh, I really enjoy saying the word penultimate, so you may uh, hear it a few more times. But this is uh, the next-to-last episode, episode 11. Coming up on January 6th, we have the uh, finale. And, you know, if you've been watching it, things are really gearing up. Uh, A lot of mysteries have sort of become uncovered. You've learned a little bit more about uh, Professor Xavier's uh, son and his role in everything. And it just gets bigger from here as they sort of start to build up to uh, to the finale next week. And yeah, you can go at marvel.com right now and you can check out a clip and uh, by the time this podcast goes up, we should have some screenshots up there for you as well um, from this week's episode. And next week we will have uh, daily new content leading up to the finale on January 6th. So that's really it, uh, True Believers. Uh, I hope you had a great holiday season. And I hope you have a great new year coming up. And thank you for listening. And Ryan, back to you. Thanks, Drami. All right, now on to the news for the week. It's been a light week with the holidays, but Ben, why don't you start us off? Yeah, like Ryan said, we we were uh, out for the holidays, so we've been not updating that much. We did post a few news stories uh, right before the holiday. Post another remembrance of Joe Simon, the legendary co-creator of Captain America. We got comments from... Marvel's Kevin Feige, Axel Alonso, and Tom Brevoort talking a little bit about Joe Simon. It's interesting reading if you want to know more about Joe. I was really a great guy as well as a great creator. I had the pleasure of talking to him once, really. Uh, one of my one of my favorite memories of my career in comics. So see what those guys had to say about him, learn a little more. We also, today, wished happy birthday to, to Marvel legend Stan Lee. Yep. The man the himself. Man. 89, still spry as can be. Just kicking it, doing weekend. So we did a little happy birthday to Stan. Posted some digital comics with some of his greatest moments, which we just picked out five because that could be a you know eighty nine part series itself, yeah. and still then some. Relaying a little story about Stan the Man Lee, we were at San Diego Comic Con mm. this year. We had a, a separate stage for our Marvel Live streaming video from San Diego Comic Con. We had secured a, a time to talk to Stan. Stan came up to speak with me and someone else, and 
we were chatting with Stan, and we had a great little interview, and it was really fun. And um, he loved it because my uh, co-interviewer was a pretty lady, so we, we had a good chat with him. We d- we wrapped it up, and we you know we were saying goodbye, shook hands, said thanks, and Stan jumps down off the stage, right? And it's not a giant stage, but it's probably two feet off the ground or something. There were so. also steps right there. There were steps, yes. He could have urged him to use. Yes, oh, oh, please, go down the steps. Nope. Stan jumps down like yeah. nothing. Like nothing. 88 years old at the time, jumps down, walks away, smiles, laughs, waves, yeah. goes on to do the next thing. Just, just amazing. Probably saved a burning building yeah. full of people. I thought our boss, John Zerulli, was going to have a, a seizure right yeah. then and there. He looked like he'd like, it's like, Time slowed down as Stan was jumping off the stage. It's really just like, no. Yeah. And then he lands and he's fine. He's springing his step. We should have gets known. right back to it. It's amazing. It's incredible. Um, and depending on when this goes up, we may or may not. We're, we, I'm currently hard at work with some of our Marvel consortium, our secret cabal of uh, our best of 2011 list. So we're going to be picking the best heroes, the best villains, the best teams. We're going to be giving our personal top 10 lists. And you can then go on Facebook and Twitter and tell us we're wrong and tell us who should really be in the top 10. But that always generates a lot of discussion. They're a lot of fun to do. Working on them as we record this. Hope to have one up by the time this uh, episode is up. But if not, soon after that. So be on the lookout for that wrapping up this year and also opening up 2012 we got a couple more lists coming out there rock and roll last week i posted a ton of holiday and christmas cards that we got from various creators that were produced in-house uh if you want to see the official marvel holiday 2011 holiday card i posted on my blog that's marvel.com slash agent underscore m i have my own url it's pretty great yeah, uh, it's big time. A little bit better than BenjamorsCom. BenjamorsCom is still under construction, but just you wait. All right, it's gonna be huge. Also, this week we posted a story on Slingers, a new collectible toy slash game from Upper Deck. There's a bunch of rules to it, but there's a, a a wide array of collectible elements to it that you should definitely check out. It's not the comic from. It the is 90s. not the comic from. Because I clicked on that story and I thought it was like Hornet and Ricochet and Dusk. The other one. The other one. I can't remember. The other one may one be was. in there. Yeah. Finally, we also, as we noted before, the Thor table is now available on iOS and Android for Zen Pinball. Yes. So check that out. Now it's time for questions. And we actually, we have a ton of questions from the fans. You guys tweet these to us. Uh, tweet them to me, agent underscore M on Twitter, or Ben, ben J. Morse on Twitter, or just use the hashtag this week in Marvel. We've gathered a bunch. So... Going into the questions from SW Action News wants to know: Are the twelve-inch Hot Toys figures considered dolls? Hmm. Hot Toys produce really super duper high-end figures. I, you know what? I wouldn't call them dolls. No. Some elements are same, but I l- less movement, more for display, more for. Yes. You know, that's, that's a good way to put it. You know it. what I mean? Yeah. With the Hot Toys figures. They're very poseable. Yeah. They have a ton of interchangeable parts. They are very much the highest of high-level action right. figures. Dolls are more decorative uh, yeah. action figures. Delicate. Yes, they're delicate. You put them in a room to kind of complete the room. These are more, you know, you can you can play with them. You can interact with other stuff. So, you know, dolls are, dolls are a different thing. Yeah, and if you look at, we have uh, a partnership with Tonner. They make dolls. They very specifically make dolls. Hot Toys, I think, makes high-end action figures. 
So that's what I'm saying. Yes. There you go. Draw your own conclusions. Indeed. But that's the correct one. Indeed. Jim Viscardi tweeted, favorite century moments. Oh, Jim Viscardi. He's an intern here, I believe. Yeah, he, he works in the, uh, the, the internet mailroom. Yeah, the internet mailroom. Favorite century moments. I loved all of the Jeff Parker Age of the Century. Oh, so good. Series. That was super fun. Pretty much anything involving his, uh, his caveman accountant friend. Um, his romance with the blonde phantom uh, when he was protecting that team. All of the age of the century. I also liked uh, when he fought Atuma. Was it? Yeah, it was Atuma. And he just like punched Atuma's head off. Because that was really the century in a nutshell. Was <laughs> Super strong, super crazy. Well, it was extreme solutions to every problem. Um, it was always, and they can, they made the Avengers used to make fun of him. He had a problem. He would do one of three things. He would rip it in half, like he did with Carnage. He would punch its head off like he did with a tuma, or he would just throw it into the sun. He threw like three villains into the sun. That was like the Sentry's go-to move. Was he loved throwing stuff into the sun? Um, I also enjoyed during Civil War when he visited Adelan and they revealed that he had a secret romance with Crystal because, in my mind. Crystal of the Inhumans has had a secret romance with every male Marvel character. Um, that's just what she does. So that was that was fun. But the Sentry was he, he was just he was fun. Whether it was those goofy sil- Silver Age stories or him just like applying the most extreme possible solution to any problem. Yeah, he's, I think he's missed. My favorite Sentry moment was probably the. Uh, the fake Hostess Pies ads we did in Age of the Century. Yes, that was Jordan fantastic. White, uh, who edited the series, put those in there and, and worked with Jeff Parker and, yeah. and their team on those. Those were terrific. Even though the Century's dead in the present, there's no reason we can't have more Age of the Century. I, I'm just saying. Look, I just mean. throwing it out there. Sure, sure. Yeah. All right. Question from Witkovskim says, whoa, 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 what? Human Torch is back. That's great, but why can't any character just stay dead this week in Marvel? That was my um, extreme dramatization yeah, of this question. That was good. Use three woes, though. He only used two woes. I said extreme dramatization. That was extreme. Yeah. Um, why can't any character stay dead? There are characters who stay dead. To say any character, some characters stay dead, some don't. If you're talking about Human Torch, I think what Jonathan Hickman did was really impressive in how he, they, they straight up killed Johnny Storm. He was dead. He came back. There was a lot of reasoning, a lot of crazy, you know, but negative was, zone science. He was clinically dead. Oh, yeah. As they showed in Fantastic Four number six. Yeah. But I think, I mean, you know, my answer to this is if there's a good story to be told with yeah. a character and they happen to be dead, what's the harm in bringing them back it's comics it's not you're not damaging anything yeah. i mean i think there are some i would argue perhaps there are there are some characters who are fundamentally important to be dead i guess uncle ben would be like the prime example yeah. if he's back that dr erskine yeah dr dr erskine but you know i personally would not want to see uncle ben back but if someone sold me on the most amazing story that could be told if you just had uncle ben back maybe this because look you know the ultimate example is look at bucky Bucky yeah. was dead for years. He was such an integral part of Captain America's motivation. And then Ed Brubaker came up with this great story to bring him back. Yep. And everyone at first was like, oh, God, why are you bringing Bucky back? And it turned out to, we had a great character out of it. Yeah. So I think, you know, I'm not I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, why do they bring all these characters back? If you've got a good story, your character's dead, your character, you know, it, it's fiction. 
it's 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 you you work with what you got and you should be able to use all the all the tools available yeah. to you don't get so caught up in the little things right. enjoy the overall story right. let let the the journey let it let that be what's enjoyable yeah. to you Story a good story is a good story regardless of how you get there yeah science Bunch of questions, as always, from RCS underscore T. Yes. So, first one says, loving the show, you guys ever visit the Comic-Cons? Any info on Marvel convention plans? Well, we visit numerous comic conventions every year. Uh, I think last, in 2011, I went to WonderCon, C2E2, D23, San Diego Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con, Fan Expo Toronto. There may be one more that I am forgetting. That's all I can remember. I go to a lot. Uh, ben will go to two or three a year. Mm-hmm. What we do at the conventions, we, we do video, we do reports of all our panels, we do interviews, we do photos, we do cosplay stuff, we do all, depending on how many people we have going from my particular staff, the more we do. Uh, and that will continue through 2012. I don't know what specific cons we'll be going to in the coming year, but I'm assuming it will be um, the big ones and... I'm look. I'm particularly hoping that we go to WonderCon in Anaheim because that means I get to go to Disneyland. Disneyland. I yep. love Disneyland. I went there for the first time for D23 when we did some Avengers stuff. Man, it's gonna be great. I'd, l- I'd like to get back to C2E2 this year because mm-hmm. I've been to Chicago in years, and that's I've, I've heard wonders about that. I haven't, I haven't been to C2E2 since it started, but you know, yeah, we definitely try to go to as many Comic Cons as we can. They're a lot of fun. And yeah. We like, we like bringing information from. Also, I like going to the conventions and eating food. Yeah, you at C2E2, I had really good pizza. Yeah. I ate at Rick Bayless's restaurant, and he came over and said hello. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. that was really fun. So, yeah, if you go to the comic conventions, make sure you find some really cool food to eat in the area, especially yeah. if you're traveling for these things. Get the full experience of the, of the, the city. Area. Yeah, yeah. Totally do. All right, another from RCS underscore T, uh, listening to last week's episode, tells me uh, RCS. You can hear Nick yeah, Lowe's Nick cackling Lowe. outside That's the what office. happens during the holidays. There's yeah. no one to restrain him. Uh, RCS underscore T says, I should read Ender's Game. I will like it. He's going to read the former Wars comic. I told you, man. No, no. I, and Look, I we got the collection for yep. the first Ender's Game collection last week. Uh, that's going onto my shelf of yeah. of books to read in the coming weeks, and I'm definitely going to get into it. I was looking okay. for the collection. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, psyched for it. Get another one from RCS underscore T. Uh, silly question. There's no silly question on this week in Marvel. Um, otherwise, we'd have probably no questions. Um, reading X-23 for the first time, who would win between X-23 and Wolverine? They've actually fought. Yeah? They fought in the X-23 Target X limited series okay. by Craig Kyle, Chris Yost, and mm-hmm. Mike Choi. This type of thing where Wolverine was kind of caught by surprise because, oh my god, there's this little teenage girl version of me and she has foot claws. Uh, <laughs> and, and also, he wasn't really prepared for how incredibly savage she was. So she kind of tore him apart. Like, she really messed Wolverine up. Yeah. Um, if he was ready for it... He's a trained samurai yeah. slash 200, 150, whatever year old yeah. master killer. It's hard to beat. As, as good as she is. I think, I think the conventional wisdom says Wolverine. Yeah. But the only... the X factor I would throw into there oh. would be that Wolverine over his many years has developed more of a conscience. Yeah. And X23 is still kind of new to human emotions. Um, 
So as we explore in her book, when yeah. she tries to babysit and stuff, uh, so uh, it's great. But so there's, I, I think the way I would see it going is X-23 might have the initial advantage because I could see Wolverine kind of trying to beg off and trying to get out of the fight. And she's just like, screw it, we're doing this, old man. Yep. But I do think in the end, uh, yeah, Wolverine just got too many years and too much experience on her. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. The bell is rung. Levi P. Tompkins says, do you know what happened to Dan Ketch, Ghost Rider? He loves Alejandro, but wants to know where Dan Ketch is. You know, when I spoke to Rob Williams uh, last, he did say he eventually had some plans for Danny Ketch. Ghost Rider is reaching its conclusion in a couple months, so I don't know if he managed to get those plans in. I don't know if he managed to do everything he want, but I knew he definitely had Danny Ketch in mind, so it's very possible... Danny Ketch could show up in the last few issues of Ghost Rider. Uh, if not, he's still out there. We last left him, he still had power. I'd be very interested to know, and maybe I'll ask Rob Williams this. You could ask him on Twitter at RobWilliams71. When Alejandra got her powers, it took away Johnny Blaze's powers, so kind of wonder how that affected Danny Ketch if he's drawing from the same source as Johnny Blaze. It's a very it's a very good question, uh, Levi P. Tompkins. It's, 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 it's a good one. I hope, I hope we get the answer in the final few issues of Ghost Rider, but if not, uh, hound Rob Williams for them until yep. he gives them to you. Alpha Flight underscore net says, other than North Star in Astonishing X-Men, are there any plans for other Alpha Flight characters to show up in 2012? You, you're asking about a whole year's worth mm. of possibilities. So there are definitely possibilities. Right. I don't know of, a, of a specific plans yet. Well, this is Alpha Flight... Net, I'm assuming this is probably an Alpha Flight website, so I'm assuming we're going to be quoted here. Yeah. So we gotta, of course, be be careful not to promise the world, because I know. Yeah, well, you just. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't. I mean, it's 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 still early. The books haven't come out yet. Yeah. There's a lot that hasn't been fine but pointed. The one thing we can say is North Star is not just in Astonishing X Men. He is a major part of Astonishing yeah. X Men. So at the very least, North Star is certainly in the plans in a major way for. 2012. You've also got one issue of Alpha Flight left, uh, the current limited series, so there's no telling where that's going to leave these characters, who's going to be around, and who might be in certain situations. But I would say, you know, they just had a really, they had kind of a renaissance this year, coming back and having a big role. I wouldn't be shocked to see some other characters show up in Astonishing X-Men where North Star is. I wouldn't be surprised to see them used elsewhere. You know, the, the guys who are writing their book right now Greg Pak and Fred Van Lente are still writing for Marvel um, and have shown a fondness for carrying characters with them so I would say if you're an Alpha Flight fan which I'm assuming Alpha Flight underscore net probably is hates them uh, hates Alpha Flight this is some weird anti-Alpha Flight website I would say you have reason to be optimistic for 2012 the only thing we can confirm is North Star and Astonishing X-Men but I would you know, just going by, I don't even know anything. I'm just going by logic. I would say it's, it's probably, it will probably be a good year to be an Alpha Flight fan. Cool. The next question comes in from someone whose Twitter name I won't say on the podcast. It's a, little, <laughs> it's a bit obscene, That's but. very inappropriate. Yeah. Is there a decent. Kind of clever. Mm, not really, though. Eh, no, not really. I, I see a lot of yeah. obscene Twitter names, you know, tweeting at me or, or yeah. to Marvel, and it's like. Just, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Whatever. You're making a public impression. Yeah. That's, that's how you're presenting yourself. Exactly. So anyway, the they say, is there a decent chance that a major hero or villain will die in X-Men versus Avengers? Or Avengers versus X-Men yeah, is the proper Yeah, it's Avengers versus X-Men. It's alphabetical. Yeah. 
I didn't. What was that? Nicklo, I think, just said Bedmore smells like dirty rivers. Dirty rivers. That must. You know, I don't know what that. I don't know if that's literal or if that this Nicklo slang for something. <laughs> Probably complimentary. Yeah. Because Nicklo is a good friend of mine. I will say that Nicklo has been angling to come back on the podcast. <sighs> Which he is great. T- he got a taste of fame. Yeah, he did. He he really loved it. It's, um, it's, it's, after, it's like after we had him on the red carpet for X-Men First Class. <laughs> yeah. He just couldn't get enough. But we're going to try and stay away from the X-Office for a little bit next yeah. next time we have a guest. Which as much as we can stay away from them, given that we're physically located right next to them. Yeah, they probably hear us talking yeah. about their books. Yeah. Anyway, so this question is about Avengers vs. X-Men. Will there be a, is there a decent chance that a major character will die? Now, before we answer this question... These kind of questions, I, there's no way to answer it, sure. really, because there's always a chance that a character could die. This year we saw, or within the last you know 12 months or so, we saw Human Torch die, one of the biggest characters in Marvel. We've seen Captain America die. We saw Thor die. Characters can and will die. Will, they, will that happen in Avengers vs. X-Men? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't, I don't really want to... Uh, there's no way to say that. Yeah, there's no way to answer it without. We're not going to sit here and tell you what happens in the books yeah. coming out. Because what's the fun of that? That ruins them for you. So there will be consequences in the series. There will be that doesn't necessarily mean death, but there will be repercussions. There will be consequences. Yeah, it's a big thing going on, and it will affect both sides extensively. Yes, I think that's excellent answer. Well done. done. It's like I've been in this business for a while. Yeah. All right, Phil's Chulp. Phil Schulp. Phil Schulp, thank you. Says, describing to Marvel Digital allow you to read comics through the Marvel app, or is it web only? And then a follow-up. Any plans to allow digital subscriptions to be used through the mobile app? You answered your own question <laughs> on that follow-up. Yeah. Currently, the Marvel app, which is available on iOS and Android devices, is is a separate is separate store, separate experience, separate everything from Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited. We actually had a question about some sort of integration in uh, during New York Comic Con, and uh, Peter Phillips, our executive pro- vice president of Marvel Digital Media, said that that is definitely something we would like to do. And there are things there. There's a lot of factors that go into these things. It's it's something that, in the long run, yes, we want to do. Will it happen? When will it happen? If if it will, we don't know. It's it's a possibility. Like anything, it could happen, but I don't want to give you any definitive answer. I hope so because I I would love that, but you know, it's possible. Currently, it is not a thing that happens. We have kid with two D's underscore Flash eighty nine. Obviously, a reference to the young Flash Thompson. Yep. Um, series that we are working on. Uh, We're not we'll, working on a young Flash Thompson. I might series. be working on it. Uh, Me and Tom Brennan are talking. I'll keep you posted on benjamorse.com. Will they bring the original Nightcrawler back? Uh, No immediate plans to bring the original Nightcrawler back. Uh, His Age of Apocalypse counterpart just showed up in Uncanny X-Force. If you read Uncanny X-Force number 19, you know that has already caused some difficult situations for people who knew the original Nightcrawler. So I think we're going to see how that plays out for a little while. Again, like we said earlier in the podcast, it's a good story. You know, there's no telling what will happen with the original Nightcrawler. But for now, obviously, I'd recommend Uncanny X-Force. It's a great book. But if you're looking for your Nightcrawler fix, that's where to get it with the Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler. Lincoln Phoenix tweeted to us, I really enjoyed Avengers The Children's Crusade. Are there any plans for another Young Avengers series to start after it ends? Well, 
Lincoln Phoenix. I, there are no current plans for a new Young Avengers series right now. The Avengers the Children's Crusade, as we said earlier, sort of goes right into uh, Avengers vs. X-Men and the, the larger scope of what's going on with the characters who are involved right. in the Children's Crusade. There's always a chance for another Young Avengers series, but currently, right now, no. I know, having spoken with Alan Heinberg, the writer of uh, Children's Crusade, he has definitely said he, just as when he wrote the original Young Avengers series, he is angling to end the series and leave them in a place where other writers can pick them up and do something with them. Alan is very busy. He's a TV writer. does a lot of other stuff, so you know, he would love to be writing them. I know he would love to be writing them every month if he could, but uh, you know, the Young Avengers are a lot of creators' favorite characters favorite new characters the next 10 years so i know there's a lot of interest in them and i would say you know watch with interest read with interest the final issue of children's crusade to kind of see where they land and that might give you an idea of where you can look for them in the near future if not in their own series you know elsewhere around the marvel universe because they're always around yep josh foster tweeted how about some news on the marvel mmo um there hasn't been much news though we did I don't think we posted about this on Marvel.com yet, just due to the holidays. Right, I saw what but, you're talking about, though. Yeah, the Marvel MMO, previously called Marvel Universe, has a name change. It is now Marvel Heroes, and it's still on track for the future. There is no date. There are no new details to give. Uh, I believe the MMM Society, Twitter, and Tumblr will continue to provide little dribs and drabs of information, but 2012 will provide details. There will be more information about the MMO in the coming year. That shouldn't be any news to anyone because that's just the way it goes, you know, as we get closer to the release, whether it's next year, the year after, who knows, we will provide more information. But um, I've seen a lot of of Marvel Heroes in action and I'm super psyched for it. Back to Levi P. Tompkins, uh, not for not for the last time. Levi P. Tompkins, huge fan of the show. Uh, love Vengeance, love the Team Brigade, any more plans for them? We spoke about the final issue of Vengeance earlier this week. We talked about we love the Team Brigade, so we would certainly love to see more of them. Again, that's another situation where Joe Casey certainly left it kind of open and seemed like he had more stories to tell uh, and also established this great new asset for people to use. So it's kind of a time-will-tell question. Uh, we, I'd love to see more of the Team Brigade. I think we both would, so we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see more of them in the, uh, in the coming months and years. Cool. Two from Michael Dolce says, FF and Fantastic Four have now split off. Do I need to follow both now to follow the multi-read story? Yeah, and then the second question is kind of yeah, the I've same been... question <laughs> reworded. Well, Michael Dolce, they're kind of telling the same story from different perspectives. Uh, there's very much an extra added value if you're reading both books, uh, like we kind of covered this week. Uh, the story you're seeing in Fantastic Four with the larger Kree invasion... Certainly, if you're just reading Fantastic Four, you will get that entire story, but FF follows what some of the other characters from the Fantastic Four Future Foundation universe are up to, uh, some of the things they're working on, how other characters are going. They're really kind of, they're very seamless, um, and they're both very enjoyable books. They're written by the same guy, so Jonathan Hickman's a very talented, smart writer who knows how to tell a story in two separate titles in such a way that you can enjoy either on their own, but if you're reading both, you're certainly getting a lot out of them. So are they related? Yes, they are definitely related. Uh, Do you need to follow both of them? 
You don't need to, but you certainly should be because you're going to get a much better perspective. It's basically you get to, you get to if you if you like one, you will like yeah. the other I was because gonna... you're going to see the same story from another another point of view. Yeah, definitely. If you're reading one, you should read the other. It's just double your pleasure, double your fun. Fantastic Four for everyone. Nice man. Nice. I am a rap star. Anyway, next question from AmazingJR87. Any chance we see Hawkeye's Sky Cycle in the Avengers? There's a chance. I mean, there's a chance for anything. Mm -hmm. I could be in the Avengers. I was on the set. But I don't believe so. I don't remember seeing anything. But again, it's possible. There's an Avengers solo this week. So you can see Hawkeye's Sky Cycle in Avengers solo. There you go. Boom. You got that. So if you you really want to see it, you should go out and buy that. Yep. Double shot from Levi P. Tompkins. Old Fox animated Marvel Marvel cartoons had a tendency to use all the latest stuff and mix it in bit, with bits of classic things. Modern Marvel tunes tend to go more classic with the get-go, with one or two exceptions. Which do we prefer? And before I get to our answers, Sith Lord LB says, I prefer the Fox style of Marvel cartoons. Old and new is better than old or new. You know, number one, I would say that's not necessarily true. Right. If you look at... Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes, for example, they're currently doing some stuff with Secret Invasion, which is only a couple of years old, and they're and they're doing stuff from New Avengers, uh, from the Breakout story, but they're also doing classic Masters of Evil stories, mm-hmm. classic Kang stories, that uh, Malkith story they did from Walt Simons and Thor. So I don't think that... And also mixing yeah. it in with it, its own lore, yeah. its own stories. It's completely new and fresh. So yeah. it, it is a total... So I, so I think to say the newer Marvel cartoons only use the old stuff is not entirely correct. Yeah. That said, I I think Earth's Mightiest Heroes is one of my favorite cartoons I've seen in ages. Um, you know, Marvel, superhero, otherwise. Yeah. But you and I both know that the 90s X-Men cartoon has a very special place in both our hearts. Uh, it's a very different kind of love. I don't think I can pick between the two. Um, you know, I really like the current stuff we're putting out and I'm, I'm, you know, the, the people who are working for us are doing great stuff, but X-Men, the nineties animated series really captured a moment in time, an era, a feeling, an emotion. Uh, you know, it hit me right at the perfect time because I was in, I was a young kid watching it and there's so much goofy insanity to that show and I can still watch it today and there's good stuff to it. So... I like aspects of both. Time will tell to see if uh, the current stuff gets to that same place in my heart that the, that the classic stuff does. It's a very heartfelt and diplomatic answer. Thank you. For me, while I love the 90s X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons and enjoyed them because of when I first saw them, I like the current series far more than the 90s stuff. I, I would rather watch Earth's Mightiest Heroes over the classic X-Men or Spider-Man series. I just, I think they're better animated, better written, more exciting. They're they're just more fun for me to watch nowadays. There's certainly no question, you know, on a technical level, they are I'm all about the technical. Yeah, they are, they are vastly, (laughs) yeah. For a technical fan like yourself, no, they are vastly superior. It's really, you know, it's it's, it's the age-old battle between uh, quality and nostalgia. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it has to do a lot with when you watched it, too. Yeah. So, both are good, but yeah, I think, you know, Earth's Mightiest Heroes and the upcoming Ultimate Spider-Man are... Oh, man. They're pretty special. Ultimate Spider-Man is going to knock your socks off. Yeah. 
right. One more from Levi P. Tompkins. Two more. Checked out, oh, all right. Checked out Hulk of Arabia on your recommendation. Was awesome. Good. We're glad you enjoyed it. What happened to Aaron, though? Did he go to rehab? He's referring to Machine Man, who in this arc was not really so much in his next wave, uh, I hate humans, I'm drinking motor oil incarnation. Uh, what did happen to Machine Man? You know, that's a, that's a question for Jeff Parker. I think there was, something must have happened behind the scenes, because the last time we saw him in uh, Marvel Zombies, he was the next wave incarnation of Machine Man. When we saw him here, he was much more classic 1970s, 1980s Machine Man. So there is a story to be told. Jeff Parker's the man to tell it. At Jeff Parker on Twitter. Yeah, I think uh, tweet, tweet yeah. old Parker. Tweet old that Jeff Parker. See, uh, see what happened to Machine Man. That's yeah. a, that's a that's a great question. Tag us in those tweets. I'm curious to yeah, see I'd, what, I'd what like old to, Parky likes to say. I'd like to know myself. Yeah. Par- Parky Pig. <laughs> Final question from Levi P. Tompkins. What is your favorite comic book romance? Hmm. hmm. That's hmm. a good one. Hmm. That's a real good one. Rogue Magneto is pretty great. Interesting. I would have thought you would have gone with Rogue and someone else. Nope, nope. No? I don't think she's ever loved anyone else, okay. and I, I won't hear any arguments otherwise. That's fine. Um, Wolverine and everyone. Yep, Wolverine and women. Silver Surfer and Shalabal is a classic oh, one. Oh yeah. Seriously, that's he. That he is a good one. Gave up his. Uh, he gave up his life for her, basically. That's actually, if you read the old like Stanley John Buscema seventies uh, Silver Surfer stuff, that's a that's a epic romance it's it's very overwrought but it's uh it's really good stuff i mean from when i was a kid you know that's where i keep going back to a lot of my favorite stuff is the stuff i read when i was 12 because that's just like you know that's what you tend to remember yeah um i of course love the the two new warriors romances that being nova and namorita um which was like the jock and the cheerleader and then firestar and justice which was the two wholesome kids but you know i also love uh I love Peter Parker and Mary Jane too. Mm-hmm. That's one of that's one of my all time favorites. I think that's uh, it's a cool one. I love Peter Parker, Gwen Stacy as well. I love Emma Frost and Cyclops. <coughs> I wouldn't think of them as a romance, mm. but it's a thing. There, there's a there, I, their relationship dynamic is so different from you know all these others. Oh, lovey dovey, romantic, mm-hmm. you know, sweeping romances. There's is has its heat and passion and weirdness. And I like that. I think that's a great element. I mean, I I, I, I like that over Jean Grey and Cyclops. Never got into Cyclops and Jean Grey. They were yeah. too... You always wanted her to end up with Wolverine. Yeah. Man, the, X, the X-Men have so many good ones, though. I was oh, think, Kitty and, and Colossus. Kitty and Colossus. That's a great mm. one. I was just thinking uh, Psylocke and Angel. Yep. That's a good one. Yep. Um, Mr. Fantastic and uh, Sue Richards. Sue Richards. That's, I mean, it's a different one because how many? But like, that's a yeah. that, that's a great example that that's also <coughs> really touching and, and important mm-hmm. and, and big, but it, in a in a completely different yeah. way. The thing in Alicia Masters. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Underrated, not really heard of. Cannonball and uh, Boom Boom. <laughs> I got a lot of love for Cannonball and Boom Boom because she was like this scruffy tomboy. And he was this gawky southern kid, and they both uh, completely found themselves in the other one. I don't yep. think they've been together for like 20 years now. So. Doc Ock and Aunt May. Doc Ock and Aunt May is a class. I actually like Aunt May and uh, oh, yeah. J. Jonah's dad. Yeah, senior. That's a pretty cool one. We could go on and on. Yeah. A lot of good ones out there. 
Yeah, it's hard to pick. It depends on the our moods, I think, in particular. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we're wrapping up This Week in Marvel, Episode 9. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Agent underscore M. I am Ben Morse. Thanks for listening. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>